Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Chopping It Up. I'm your host, Mike Hamlin, the Senior Restaurant and Food Service Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. Today, we're joined by John Siwinski, CEO of Modern Restaurant Concepts. Thanks for doing this, John. Hey, appreciate it, Mike. Looking forward to it. For sure. Uh, can you start out about your career background and what attracted you to MRC? Yeah, sure. Um, for the prior, uh, I joined Modern Restaurant Concepts, which owns Qdoba and Modern Market Eatery, uh, two brands, about a year ago. Uh, for the six years prior to that, I was president uh, for Applebee's Grown Bar, uh, my second stint with Applebee's. Before that, I was president of KFC uh, with Yum Brands and uh, prior stints with McDonald's, Burger King, uh, the Walt Disney Company, and I was a franchisee for a short period of time in Chicago for Duncan Brands and Sonic, uh, cool. owning and operating 10 restaurants, which was my my little entrepreneurial gig for a period of time, and I uh, decided to jump back into the, the corporate world. All right, good stuff. So let's start with Modern Market. Uh, how many stores does the chain have? Where is it strong geographically, and, and what service model does it employ? Yeah, Modern Market Eatery is a, a small, better for you, uh, fast, casual brand uh, started in Denver. Uh, we have 31 units. Um, the majority of those are in the Denver, kind of broader Colorado area. We've branched out into Dallas. We have five units in Dallas. We have three in Phoenix. Uh, we have three in Austin. Uh, we have one at the University of Notre Dame, and we have a couple units in Denver International Airport. And so our plan there is to expand pretty rapidly. We brought in our first uh, franchisee. Most of those units are company-owned, but our first franchisee uh, this past year, he's the second largest Applebee's franchisee, a fellow named John Rolfe, uh, and a good friend of mine. And he acquired the Austin market, and we'll be bringing in other franchisees uh, here soon as well. All right. Great stuff. Um, uh, in terms of those growth plans, are, are you going to continue to build company owned stores or are you just, you know, focused on um, selling markets to franchisees at this point? Yeah. Primarily franchisee development. We, we just opened our first drive through unit in, in um, Colorado Springs uh, and that's a company owned unit, but the, uh, and John uh, Rolf just opened his first unit in Kansas city. So I think the vast majority of any new unit development will come through our franchisee partners. Okay, great. Any um, any other markets that that uh, are really attractive to you right now? Yeah, if you think about um, the profile of the brand is uh, a female skew, family oriented, perhaps you know suburban, slightly upscale. Uh, you think about markets like um, Denver, Austin. Dallas, 
Phoenix, uh, where we currently have a footprint. Other markets that come to mind would be Salt Lake City, Nashville, uh, Kansas City, um, Charlotte, North Carolina. And so we've we've got, I think much of that, Mike's going to be driven by the franchise partners that step into the brand and where they have a base of operations. But, you know, the brand plays very well where it um, – where it exists today, AUVs are about $2 million, very healthy unit economics. Yeah. And, um, and we're now looking to scale it pretty rapidly. Okay, Cole, how, how big are the units? Uh, how much do they cost to build? Yeah, about a million dollar cost to build 25 to 2,800 square feet. Um, all of them uh, are, for the most part, end cap units. Uh, and as I mentioned, we just opened our first drive through uh, in cap. So that'll be interesting to see how we execute the brand, uh, it, which does have a heavy off-premise uh, mix and portability is outstanding for the brand. So um, yeah, good, uh, very solid sales to investment ratio. Unit economics are attractive. Uh, we we need to uh, determine the next five markets and, and heavily penetrate those. And so we have Significant franchise interest. We will probably, Mike, refranchise Dallas in uh, Phoenix, and uh, we have significant interest in in the state of Colorado, where we've got you know uh, we're kind of ubiquitous in Denver. Yeah. People know the brand quite well. You get outside of Denver, and people don't know the brand yet. So that's our our challenge or our opportunity. Cool. Yeah, two to one sales to investment ratio is very attractive. Yeah. Um, in terms of building the brand awareness, is social media a big part of that? Yeah, I think the, um, it, you know, we we have a pretty savvy digital marketing team um, and it, you know, it becomes a little more challenging in a market like Dallas where you only have five units that are kind of geographically dispersed. Um, but, you know, we invest a pretty meaningful amount on an ongoing basis to drive awareness and trial. Uh, once we get them into the restaurant, um, uh, the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. It's a terrific menu. I, you know, it's very, I would <clears throat> categorize it as perhaps a little more contemporary version of a, of a Panera uh, and, you know, very much, you know, freshly prepared culinary driven concept. Cool. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to visit, but next time I'm in Denver, I'll definitely check it out or Dallas. Um, yeah. We have nothing in your backyard, but we will at some point. Yeah. Cool. The uh, just online, you know, when I was doing my research, um, the, the restaurants looked really nice for sure. Yeah, they're beautiful. They, um, you know, they, uh, they're very attractive suburban units. Um, you would find them to be, most of them have been built within the past 10 years. So it's a new concept and a, uh, and one that we scale, we plan to scale pretty quickly. Nice. All right. So let's talk about Cadoba a little bit. Uh, I cover Jack in yeah. the Box. So this is a, a story I'm familiar with. Um, all right, let's let's start with the big issues. As when I was a customer, queso was always like a big highlight for me. And <laughs> and when I was covering it, I always wondered why it didn't play a more prominent role in the marketing. Has that been a point of emphasis since it went private? Well, yeah, I think the it's an interesting history, and I've been with the brand uh, now for a year. Uh, the brand is owned by Butterfly Equity, based in LA. Terrific. Absolutely terrific partners, you know, a big part of the reason I joined uh, and left Applebee's to do so. Um, we have 750 restaurants. We're in 45 of the 50 states. 
Uh, our largest markets would be where we started in Colorado. We've got, I think, 85 units in Colorado. We've got 60 units in Wisconsin. We've got 60 in Michigan. We're very strong in the Midwest. And then we've got white space uh, in many of those other geographies. Average unit volume is $1.6 million. Unit economics are strong. I'd say restaurant level EBITDA, Mike, probably in the 18 to 20% range. Nice. You know, contingent upon. Uh, your volume. The um, our plan here is to double the size of this brand uh, pretty aggressively. So to move from 750 to 1500 units, to move from 1.6 million AUV to 2 million AUV, and to approach a three billion dollar system. And you mentioned marketing, and the brand has never really been a national marketer, even though we've got pretty meaningful scale, not Chipotle like scale. They've got yeah. 3,000 plus restaurants, but um, we peacefully coexist in this Mexican, very attractive Mexican fast casual space. And yeah. next year, probably late next year, um, you'll see the brand become a pretty meaningful national marketer for the first time. So for the first time, we'll have an opportunity to tell our story, define who we are, what we stand for, uh, how we are differentiated. Uh, and we're looking forward to that. Our franchise partners are very enthusiastic about um, exposing the brand to America, even though it's pretty well known. I'm not sure everyone knows where their closest Qdoba is. And so we've been a culinary marketing or culinary ops driven concept to date. And our plan is to introduce marketing here in short order. As a matter of fact, we just retained Leo Burnett advertising out of Chicago um, is our agency of record and they'll be our partners. We develop content moving forward. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I frequented the brand a good bit in my twenties when I was living in Hoboken, there was one, uh, Hoboken, New yeah. Jersey, one up the street. Um, right. Well, we, yeah, that's a, that's a franchise market for us. We're 80% franchised at the moment. Uh, we did a good amount of refranchising last year. And or this past year, our fiscal year ends in in September, uh, and so we're now into our fiscal twenty four as we speak, and we're eighty percent franchised. We'll get to ninety plus percent. Believe in the asset light model, and we have eighty five. You know, absolutely terrific partners. Okay, cool. And I'd imagine, you know, I, I'd imagine why the franchisees would be excited about the national marketing. I mean, we've seen. Um, some some chains actually you know absolutely explode once once they turned on that national uh, marketing. Sonic is one that that really comes to mind. Yeah, I think you know I've experienced it firsthand and I've witnessed it with other brands. Uh, and our franchisees understand that at some point when you're in, when you're in 45 states and you have 750 plus restaurants, uh, you've got the scale. There's kind of an inflection point, right, where you need to move from a local marketer to a national marketer. We're there and we've got a very compelling story and we've got tremendous momentum. I mean, I, one of the things, honestly, that I found very attractive, it was the first question I asked the butterfly team when I was talking with them is tell me about your past, you know, 10 or 20 years, the brand's been around for 20 years of comp sales. And they, they pulled out a chart and showed me, and I'm, I'm looking at it here, 17 of the past 20 years, positive comp sales. Um, and Post-COVID, Mike, you know, the the brand performed exceptionally well, up 11% in 21, 
12% in 22 uh, last year. And our fiscal year, again, ends September 30. We're up 6% in wow. this fiscal year through three months. That momentum continues. So um, there's organic growth here. I attribute that to the um, – we're in the sweet spot of the fast casual category. Mexican, for me, Mexican fast casual is the um, – the absolute sweet spot, the most attractive category out there. And it, it's also a unique one for me when I began to study it. And I, like you, I know this industry well. Um, you've got, you know, almost 400,000 QSR restaurants out there. You've got 220, 230,000 casual dining restaurants out there. There are only 30, about 35,000 fast casual restaurants. And Mexican fast casual is the only category that I know of that doesn't have a list of 20 mature competitors, you know, slugging it out for market share battle. You've got Chipotle at number one, you've got Qdoba as a clear number two, and then you've got a few others. Um, so it's probably, you know, where QSR and casual dining were 20 years ago. That's where Mexican fast casual is at the moment. There's a tailwind. There's a lot of organic growth. Uh, Chipotle's got 3,000-ish units. We've got 750. You'll probably see, you know, 10 to 15,000 units in Mexican fast casual over the next decade. Yeah, it is definitely a hot category. I love uh, Mexican food. I like to joke around that I was Mexican in a past life. I make a mean, <laughs> a mean margarita. Uh, my guacamole is pretty love good. It. Pretty damn love good. It. Man, yeah, so. but not as good as the, not as good as the queso. You can get Qdoba. that queso, man. Right? Yeah, no, I can't. I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even try. It's, a, it's yeah, it's fascinating to me. The other thing I did is I, um, you know, I hopped onto YouTube and started looking at all these college kids, um, you know, where we've got a strong presence. And you know what they like to do on Friday and Saturday nights is they'll go out and have a couple drinks, and then they'll they'll get on camera and do a little taste test. Who's got the better burrito? You know, Chipotle or Qdoba? Who's got the better queso and guac and chips? Uh, pretty entertaining stuff. Oh, cool. I have to check it out. Um, so same store sales have been good over the last few years. That's great. Um, do you have any plans that you're willing to share about driving same store sales and AUV gains over the next couple of years? Yeah, the um, the portfolio of 750 is in, in really good shape. So, you know, under prior ownership, uh, pretty meaningful remodeling has taken place. Uh, there are, we own 165 of the 750 restaurants, Mike, and we are remodeling half of that portfolio as we speak. That's kind of the last component of the portfolio that needs to be remodeled. Scope of that is about $220,000 per unit. Um, we're investing in, uh, we're placing digital menu boards in every one of our our company-owned units and expect that to expand into our franchise system, but we'll prove it out the business case for our franchise partners first. Um, we're looking at some innovative uh, new kitchen equipment that enables pretty meaningful innovation moving forward. And then, you know, the marketing lever, as I mentioned, you know, we're, we're very good on the culinary front. We've got, you know, everything is freshly prepared, uh, clean ingredients. You know, we don't have microwaves. Uh, all of our, you know, there's a, you know, customization as a, is a very meaningful part of who we are. People love the fact that they can build their own burrito or bowl or taco or quesadilla. We've got some products on a menu that you wouldn't find at, at Chipotle as well. So uh, we've got lots of levers and uh, certainly national marketing would be one of those 
in scale, continuing to grow. We are, this past year, Mike, we opened up, oh, I'm doing this from memory, about 35 new units. <clears throat> I think we closed uh, about 15 units, so maybe a net 20 new units this fiscal year. Uh, we plan to open about a net 50, uh, and then next year we're going to scale to 75 plus. And our objective is to be uh, putting 100 net new units in the ground on an annual basis. We certainly have the the white space for that. We have just shy of 400 uh, commitments, contractual commitments from our existing franchise partners, and we also have significant demand from external franchisees. So those who may be in the, you know, in the QSR world or the casual dining world, um, we're looking to diversify their portfolios, move into Mexican fast casual. What's interesting is if you want into Mexican fast casual as a franchisee, you can't get there via Chipotle. They're hundred percent company owned, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, it's interesting as I look at my 85 partners and all the white space that we have, they want to grow. And I've also got these external parties who want in. And so how we kind of navigate existing partners and new partners as we build out all these geographies um, is a uh, pretty meaningful strategic opportunity for us. When I look at a map, you know, while we've got 80 plus restaurants in the state of Colorado, I've got only 20 in the state of Texas and about the same amount in the state of Florida. So we've, you know, those are states that should have you know, 80 plus units quite easily. Yeah, Same sure. with, you know, I look at the Chicago market, we've got, you know, only a handful of restaurants there. So um, you'll see us pretty aggressively develop those markets that uh, uh, where we have a presence today, but we just don't have meaningful scale yet. How big is your off-premise business and what kind of lift do you expect off of the remodels? Uh, delivery is a very important part of our business. I'd say, you know, if I look at our off-premise business, uh, Third-party delivery would be the largest component of that, you know, probably 16-18% um, digital orders on our website and app would be another 12%. Catering is um, our fastest growing and our most profitable segment at about 10%. So, you know, 38-40% off-premise. Uh, and the initial, uh, I mentioned that we're remodeling about 85 units. We're deploying about 20 uh, to, no, about $30 million in capital as we speak uh, this fiscal year, much of that around the remodels. But the first um, eight or 10 that we uh, remodeled just completed in Boston and the initial results that we're seeing there right out of the gate are very impressive. But then again, keep in mind, I don't think the Boston restaurants had been touched from an asset perspective for uh, probably 15 to 20 years. So uh, yeah, very meaningful you know, I won't quantify it other than to say our expectation would be not a low single digit, but a very high single digit uh, lift from that investment. Good stuff. Um, it sounds like the relationship with your franchisees is pretty strong, too. Has it been that way since since you arrived? Well, you know, I believe in in franchise partnerships. My um, that's really all that I've done. Most of my work has been with public companies, larger brands, you know, McDonald's and Applebee's and KFC, all of which are asset, you know, 90 plus percent asset light. Applebee's, we were 100% uh, franchised. And uh, it's the only way I know how to do business is you have smart strategic partners 
it's their livelihood. Um, they've got everything at risk. And uh, some of them have other concepts. So we do have multi-brand franchisees. Um, but given the fact that we only have 85, Mike, it's pretty easy to gather everyone in a room, uh, have a strategic discussion, make some decisions, and and move forward. So we have, a like every brand, we have an advisory board, uh, the Qdova Franchise Association. Those are eight terrific partners who represent a large percentage of the system. And we have a unique profile. You know, we have um, our largest franchisee has 100 units, our second largest has 60 uh, and then we, at the other end of the spectrum, we've got a good number of franchisees who have one, two, or three. So uh, that's interesting. You know, it's different than what I had at Applebee's where I only had, uh, you know, approximately 30 partners and they were all very large scale franchisees. Yeah. So I enjoy that partnership and they're energized by the momentum they have. They understand the opportunity. They all want to grow. We all have that, you know, we have an aligned mission here which is you know incremental profitable growth and uh, the track record here is is good i think you know they had two prior owners if you go back in time you had jack in the box a long time ago and you had apollo most recently and so uh butterfly is they've got about four to five billion under management uh that's a private equity firm uh, they are fully committed uh to the restaurant space and uh, couldn't be more enthusiastic about what's happening here at Qdoba. Good stuff. Um, are you and the franchisees having any issues finding quality real estate right now? Well, you know, I think the issues are uh, maybe related to, you know, and everyone has them, access to capital. Uh, it's pretty, you know, it's expensive right now. Uh, and so um, finding real estate is not an issue. I mean, we are we're looking for 2,400 square foot end caps. The build out on a Qdoba is $800,000. The, you know, with a 1.6 million AUV, it might take you three years to get to a 1.6 AUV, but that two to one sales to investment ratio is very attractive. The cash on cash return is very attractive. And, um, and so development quant comes quite naturally here. Uh, there was a hiatus, you know, during COVID. So, you know, this predates me, but if, you know, if COVID hit March of 2020, I'd say 2020, 21, and 22 were pretty quiet years on the development front, obviously related to COVID. Uh, but we've, you know, we've kickstarted new restaurant development in earnest here and uh, expect that to escalate up to about 100 net new units a year. All right. It's exciting. Um are there any margin expansion opportunities uh, at the restaurant level um, to note? Yeah, yeah, many. Uh, it's a, we have a terrific supply chain uh, team led by Paul Sinowitz. Um, so we're in a constant mode of evaluating uh, P&L opportunities, cost reduction without compromising quality. Uh, we have pretty good scale. So we, we leverage that scale with our, our vendor partners. Um, you know, the biggest lever we have on, on margin expansion is is revenue growth. And so, um, and there, there's a bit of an inflection point. If I look at our portfolio, Mike, and, you know, if I look at units with 1.6 million AUV average, if I look at those that are in the kind of the one, two to one, four range, uh, they, they need to get to one, five to one, six to have 
the type of cash flow that we like. And then once you get north of 1.6 million, uh, your your unit level economics become very, very attractive. And so revenue growth, and the good news is, you know, we've got it meaningfully, uh, that momentum that I mentioned over three years, and it continues as we speak. So uh, we're always looking to reduce costs within the P&L as we drive revenue on the top line. And, and we have a number of initiatives in place uh, to do that. Okay, good stuff. Um, and what are you seeing from the consumer right now? You know, from our data, we've seen kind of a, a slowdown. We got, we're lapping some difficult year-over-year comparisons here uh, for the next couple mm-hmm. of months. W- what are you seeing from the consumer? Yeah, it's, you know, I went into the year candidly, you know, coming out of Applebee's and casual dining, expecting some sort of recessionary environment. I think we've got it. I mean, inflation and uh, interest rates and student loan debt and price of gas and just price of goods in general has hit the consumer. Our consumer is, it's actually very similar to Applebee's, you know, we're a, uh, we're not an affluent guest. We're very much middle America in that respect. I mean, the, if I look at demographics, Mike, you'd probably find uh, an equal split, you know, for those with household income under 50,000 as you would, you know, those in the kind of 50 to $100,000 range. But I haven't seen any impact here. Um, it's, uh, you know, we did feel it in casual dining, uh, but here in the fast casual category, in particular in Qdoba, I haven't seen any headwinds yet. Uh, I expected the, the consumer to economize, whether that's, you know, a lower check or less frequency, but our traffic is strong. Our sales are strong. Uh, we are pretty, you know, pretty good value. So we're a value oriented brand. Maybe that's part of it, but I have not seen anything yet that would suggest a recessionary environment is impacting our, our, our business model. And so okay, good you know, I think that yeah. speaks to the category, you know, the category, you know, and I, and I, you know, we do participate with black box. So when I look at those, when I look at, you know, 20, you know, f- fiscal 21 being up 11%, fiscal 22 being up 12%, fiscal 23 being up 6%. In each of those year we years, we outperformed the black box cas- or fast casual average comp sales performance as well. So we're overperforming. Uh, and I think the combination of customization and convenience and value uh, with freshly prepared meals plays pretty well. Yeah, that's great. And I'd say some of your competitors are probably are, are saying similar things that that um, there's there's kind of a trade down from full service uh, into that fast casual segment. Um, yeah, I actually, I, if you would ask me which category I think is is likely to be impacted the hardest or the worst, I you know I think that's casual dining. I think guests will naturally uh, trade down into either fast casual or QSR and cut back on those, you know, pretty expensive sit down casual dining occasions. Yeah. I'm, you know, drinks, appetizers, desserts, tips, yeah. all that, all that adds up yep. pretty quick. Um, I, I agree with you. We've been writing, um, we've been writing the same and that's what we've seen in the black box data really is that you've seen, you know, quick service and fast casual actually improve from October to November and, and, you know, looking like they're and and you know at the expense of casual dining which is continued to yeah it's really it's we're, we're very bullish you know it's a it's a strange environment 
<laughs> you and I have lived through yeah. the, you know, I think the three funkiest years in our professional <laughs> careers yeah. here. And then now we've got an election year. So God knows what that brings, but from a business, you know, fundamental perspective, our, our business fundamentals are rock solid. I see nothing to indicate a slowdown in organic growth, which is, which is great. All right. We're going to end that there on a, on a high note. I like it. Um, and yeah, this is going to be a crazy year. Uh, we'll, we'll see what 2024 has in store for us. Um, but this was great. Uh, thanks again for doing it. Um, where can the audience go to find a nearby MRC restaurant and w- which social media platforms are each of the brands big on? Yeah, we're on all of them. So, um, you know, again, Qdoba's everywhere, right? I think the, um, the challenge with the Qdoba brand is we need more penetration in many of those states and markets, uh, which is our, our plan moving forward. And then Modern Market Eatery is essentially a Colorado-based concept, very accessible. Uh, you can also access that brand in Austin or Dallas or Phoenix, but it's an emerging brand. And so more to come on that front. But I really appreciate you taking the time, Mike. It's good to chat. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year. Too, man. Appreciate yeah. your investment uh, every time you go out to Qdoba. So uh, thank you. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the queso. For sure, man. I always do. Um, and a big thanks to the audience for tuning in. If you like the episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Check back in in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll be speaking with Barry McGowan, the CEO of Fogo de Chao. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.